It's Sunday morning, and we are in a study, and I can't seem to get away from the narrow way. There in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, the Bible says, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. It's talking about eternal life. Narrow is the way to eternal life. If you're not in the narrow way, let me be real blunt about this. You're not going to heaven when you die. Somewhere in your life, you have to be in this narrow way. That word narrow is the word thalibo. There's a sister word to that would actually be the verb form thalipsis. And thalipsis is the common word tribulation all the way through the New Testament. And my favorite verse on that is when Paul was stoned by the people at Lystra, taken outside the city, probably threw him off of a high precipice and and tried to kill him because the Pharisees didn't like him. They came into town, tried to convince these pagans to kill Paul. They took him outside the city. They would throw him off of a tall, a high a high place uh, take him from on a mountain or a hill if they're going to stone him and find a big drop off of 20 or 30 feet throw him off and if it didn't break his neck and kill him they'd take great big boulders and throw them at him until he broke his body all to pieces so when they walked away they thought he was dead and then Paul made that famous statement we must that's an imperative We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. The older I get, the longer I live, I realize you can't go to heaven without tribulation. And tribulation is not being behind on your house note or not being short on money. Tribulation has to do with persecution. Persecute. Persecution is the word dioko, D-I-O-K-O. It means to flee from somebody's wrath. And Paul said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're living godly and somewhere in your life, you're going to have to live godly and you're going to have to be in the narrow way because narrow is the way that leads to life and only few Are you one of the few that's going to find this narrow tribulation way? You're going to make somebody angry. You're not going to be trying to. You're going to be looking for it. But if it's in your heart, it will come out your mouth. The Bible says so. Of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell when somebody believes. Talk to them a little bit. If they believe in money, they'll talk about money. If they believe in entertainment, they'll talk about that. If they believe in women, chasing women, they'll talk about that. If they believe in drinking or if they believe in in alcohol or drugs, they'll talk about that. Whatever people talks about is what's in their heart. If you just want to run around and talk about nothing, talk about somebody's wallpaper like preachers do or a vacation they go on, That's what's interesting to people is what they talk about. We have to go through. There is is a requirement in order to get into heaven. It is a narrow way. 
It is a daily cross. And all of this goes together in one category. The daily cross is the same thing as the narrow way. You only have a daily cross if you say something to somebody and they pressure you. They pressure you because they don't like what you're saying and they crucify you on a figurative daily cross. That's what narrow means. The libo means to be pressured. Be pressed on all sides. And you have to die daily. Dying daily is the same thing as a daily cross. When people crucify you for what you're saying, it's all for what you're saying. It's all for your words. All the apostles were killed and slain for their words. So were the so were the prophets. They were killed for what they said. When you speak the truth and it gets in your heart, it can't keep from coming out of your mouth, even to your worst enemies. Most of you have people that you are real close to. And you say, this is the last person I want to talk to about the truth. Well, the longer you take to talk to them, the more convicted your heart will be. Till one day you say, I'm going to have to talk to them about the truth. That's what happened with me and my mother. I was riding down the road with her in a car and I said, Mama, I want to tell you about predestination. And she said, Jimmy, I won't have that in the car with me. It's the first time I really tried. I was about 32. It's the first time I was really trying to tell my mother about predestination. She said, I won't have that. You, I'll make you get out of the car if you keep talking about that. And she wasn't even a tough person. She just said, I don't want to hear it. And she never did. Well, you have all these requirements you have to have a die. You have to be dying daily. You have to be living godly, but living godly and righteously, that comes in time. Living righteous, I put an e in godly. Living godly and righteously, that comes in time in your growing. You have to add to your faith. You say, Jim, is all this the same thing? It's all a part of the same picture. Your salvation starts in eternity with God. God picked out his people. He said said that he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He hasn't chosen everybody. He's only chosen his elect. That's all. He has an elect family. He's predestinated them. I don't know why people hate predestination and they say they believe the Bible because the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow. You got to get that verse straight. For whom he did foreknow. The Bible doesn't say what God foreknew. It doesn't say what is his for whom. But did God know what? Did he know what? Well, yeah, he knew what because he ordained all the what's. Everything that would happen, he's declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times, everything that's not yet done. 
That's what Isaiah 46 and 10 says. If you hear in life right here, here's your life right here. This might help you some to quit worrying, to stop hassling over things. Everything that's going to happen in your life has already been declared by God. If you go to a garage sale and you buy a little vase in a garage sale, I'm talking to you, (laughs) and you buy a little vase, that's a part of the will of God. There's nothing that happens in our lives. If you fill up with gas at a certain service station and you started to go on to another Everything you do is going to be changed depending on every turn you make. You mean God has ordained everything, everything in your life. You say, well, how do I, you, how do I know? I've had people write to me. How do I know that I should come to Nashville and be a part of your ministry? I say, if you come, it's the will of God. And if you don't, it's the will of God. It's that simple. If there's something impresses you so much to come and be a part of us, that'll be the will of God. If God does not impress you to come, then that's the will of God. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to let you live the way he wants you to live. You may live in sin for a long time, and the events of your life will come about in such a way that he'll hit you so hard with something down the road and you realize you got to start living for jesus and that's a long climb to godliness and to holiness it's not something that happens overnight everything that happens from before the foundation of the world he's declared it all he said you can't add or take anything away from the will of god over there in ecclesiastes three fourteen. He said, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. That's a very hard thing to get a hold of. Forever is the word olam, O-W-L-A-M. That word forever is not our word forever. Our word forever means from now on. That word forever means it always has been and it always will be. It has been in the mind of God. People say, that makes us puppets. Yeah, exactly. What does it make God in our lives? Makes us puppets. You, he's created these beings in these bodies of skin, put us into them. And, and people say, well, I can do what I want to do. You can. Well, then go out and get rich. All right. Uh, you can do what you want to do. What do you want to do? Do you want to go out here and get drunk next week and take drugs? Well, no. Well, what made you that way that you don't want to do that? Whatever you are and whatever disposition you have, there's a there was a serial killer back in the 70s, and his name was David Berkowitz. David killed a bunch of people. They called him the son of Sam. He killed a bunch of people, and the, all of New York was terrified of him. They were afraid to be out at night. He was just walking with people and blowing their brains out. Well, he went to prison, and they gave him 400 and something years. This is before they had the death penalty reinstated. So he's got 400 and something years to go in prison. And David was real 
sad, real weary, real just kind of mad at the world until some guy talked to him about Jesus one night in the prison. And he said, it changed my whole life. And he said, they can't call this a a jailhouse conversion because he said, I've got 480 years to go. I'm not ever going to get out. So he lives for the Lord inside of a prison. Most of y'all have heard of the son of Sam, haven't you? Well, you can go online, look him up, and he witnesses all the time in prison and tells people about truth. And so God put him in prison to get his attention. He caused him. Now, here's what amazes me. He caused David to kill all these people. And then he went to prison. In all probability, the people he killed weren't believers. If the average is true, few will find the narrow way. And here he goes to prison for killing them, and he's going to go to be with the Lord one day. You say, that's not fair. Well, God's not ever fair. He's got his people fixed where he wants them to be and to do the things he wants them to do. I used to teach out of the prison out here in uh, Nashville, out at Riverbend. And I told the guys one night, I said, if God put you here, he either put you here so you can hear tonight or he put you here, he's giving. And if you're not one of God's elect, I said, he's got you in prison. He's going to give you a hard time in life. And then he's going to give you a hard time in hell for eternity. And one of the guys scooted up on the front of his seat. He said, I can hear, I can hear. See, even going to prison is the will of God. If you could ever get that in your head, the next time you start fretting over something, you say, this is the will of God. God's either trying to teach me something or he's trying to teach me not to do this. Now, but the world can't think that way. Now, I gave you some paper. I gave you paper. And I want you to get that paper. We've been talking about the resurrection. If you're going to heaven, you have to resurrect in Christ. Does everybody have one of these papers? Anybody need one? Everybody's got one. All right. Now, we're talking about the gospel. I've been talking about Billy Graham. He said he preached the gospel. I'm saying he did not preach the gospel. If you'll notice, the first thing on this list, I call this the gospel was preached to Abraham. Genesis, I'll get it right in a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, says that the gospel is the resurrection. The gospel is the resurrection. Now, when that word resurrection is used in the Bible, it's only used one time where it is not the word anastasis. Anastasis is the common word resurrection. Anastasis. And every time you find the word resurrection, it is feminine gender. That cannot be talking about the resurrection of Jesus. That is the resurrection. Now, this is necessary. You have to believe. The Bible says that Paul said, I declare to you the gospel. That's how Christ was 
crucified, buried, and resurrected again the third day. But you you have to be more than just believing that Jesus raised from the dead to go to heaven. He has to be resurrecting in us every day. Resurrection means to come to life after dying. How in the world could Abraham have the gospel preached to him? The Bible says here in Galatians 3 and 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel to Abraham. Abraham lived around 2,100 years before Jesus. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,100 B.C., yet he had the resurrection preached to him. Look here, let's read some of these. The resurrection was preached to Abraham. Let's read that Romans four seventeen through 20. As it is written, I have made thee, God is speaking to Abraham, a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, quicken, Z-O-N. O P O I E O. Zu Poeo. Poeo means to make. Zu is our word zu. It's actually the word zoon in the Greek, but it's our word zu. It means alive. You go to a zoo to see living animals. It means to make alive. So. Making alive is the same thing as resurrection, isn't it? Wouldn't you call it that? It's the same thing as resurrection. And calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now, people want to, these charismatics say, well, that's talking about, uh, that's talking about saying Cadillac, 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 I get a Cadillac. No, that doesn't mean that. It's talking about raising the dead because it goes on to say, who against hope believed in hope. Abraham believed God when he said, you're going to have a son and you're too old to have children. It, uh, Sarah doesn't ovulate anymore. Uh, she can't have kids. You don't have any sperm anymore. You can't have kids, but you're going to have a son. That was the faith of Abraham when he said, okay, all right. Then he says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. The seed of God comes from God himself. And the seed, if you look there in Luke, the eighth chapter, the seed is the word of God. Seed is word. I've got that on your paper here. The seed is the word of God. It's over in Luke, the eighth chapter. Let me see where I've got it here. Luke eight. Uh, it's on uh, page. Uh, 
page. I don't see it. It's here somewhere. Luke 8. Huh? Oh, you got it on the back. Okay. All right. It's the very last, very last verse. Luke eight eleven. Now, the parable is this. It's talking about the parable of the sower. You find this parable in Luke 8, and you find it in Matthew 13. And he says, the seed is the word of God. Now, the seed is not money like the charismatics say. The word seed, I've got that on here. Here's the words right here, the Greek word, sporos. Sporos is the word seed. And when you spore, if you're a farmer, you know what to spore means. It means to scatter seed. Now, I'm not trying to be crude, but whenever uh, there's a sexual relationship between a man and a woman, the man spores seed. There's several hundred thousand seed in one emission. Several hundred thousand. It is not the first sperm that hits the egg that fertilizes it. If it's any other sperm, it'll be a completely different human being. If God has known us from the foundation of the world, he's had to, he has had to initiate the, the feelings of a man and a woman to have a relationship at the right time so it can be that particular seed. And it might be, there may be 18, 20 sperm hits that egg and it'll be a particular one that'll cause that that uh, embryo to become a particular human being. If it's any other combination of any other egg, any other sperm, it'll be a completely different person. I've asked doctors that. They've said that's exactly right. It won't be the same. So if he knew us from the foundation of the world, he's had to be in charge of all those intimate relationships, hasn't he? Everything. You do realize what kind of a God we serve? And it's sporos. It comes from sporos. Or from spiro. S-P-E-I-R-O. We had a vice president named Spiro Agnew. He was a Greek. And that's what his name meant. It meant seed. And that, from that, we get the word sperma, S-P-E-R-M-A, sperma. And sperma is masculine gender. How can that be dollar bills when these charismatics say, send us your seed faith? Well, the, what you need to do is get you a great big bag of bird seed and mail it to them. <laughs> say, can you turn that into $100,000? Seed is not, it's a planting in the heart of the elect. It has nothing to do with what the charismatics say. Now, let me get back to the front of this. Who against hope there in Romans 4, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. It was against hope. There was no hope as far as a human being is concerned. But, God is going to have to do something miraculous to the womb of 
Sarah and to the loins of Abraham because they are dead sexually, dead. The Bible says so there in that fourth chapter. God's going to call things that be not. I've got a, a segment in here on calling things that be not. Something that was not was something that was dead. Then he says that. He says that in these verses. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead. It's not talking about he died. It's talking about the deadness of his loins. When after he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. God's going to resurrect from the dead womb of Sarah a son that Abraham is going to implant seed there, and they're too old to have children, and they can't have it. It's impossible. So what's God going to do there? He's going to raise He's going to raise Isaac from the dead. And that is the gospel that the Lord preached unto Abraham. He's not only going to raise that, but there's going to be a particular lineage of people. And Isaac will have a son named Jacob. And Jacob will have 12 sons. And they'll become the nation of Israel, 12 sons. And it'll be through this seed that God will call his people. That's why the Bible keeps saying, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. What does it mean by that? It means God's seed will be raised from the dead, which is the resurrection. Resurrection equals the gospel. Equals the gospel. But that's not just talking about, that's not just talking about raising Jesus from the dead. The resurrection, may I remind you, anastasis means to come to life after dying, dying in its feminine gender. That means that God has got to resurrect Christ from the dead in his people every day as you begin to learn to die daily and give up self. <coughs> That's like giving away all your material things. God has to take you to a place where you come to a place mentally of saying, I don't care about my things anymore. I don't care about the stuff. I'm going to do what God wants. And if he wants to take everything I've got away from me, that's okay too. And you'll become free-hearted. If you're dying to self, you'll become free-hearted the older you get. And Christ has to resurrect in us. If we're going to die daily... Doesn't he have to resurrect in us every day? Look at Luke 9, 23. Let's just look at a couple of these things. Luke 9, 23. And I've quoted this many times. But there's something there you need to really notice. When Jesus said unto them all, if it's not in the text, any man after me, let him deny himself. Arneomai, A-P-A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. 
The common word deny in the Bible is the word arneomai. Op arneomai means a complete denial, a complete setting off. How does that happen? With when you look at first John two twenty two, the Bible says he that denieth Christ is anti Christ. It don't mean you are the Antichrist. If you contradict God, that's the word A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. That means to contradict. With the word apo, on the front of the word, that means to do it constantly, daily. But this word deny is not a choice on your part. It's imperative command from Jesus and Jesus is the God, I'll just write it, Jesus is God, and he's the one, when he gives an imperative command, that has to come around in your life. You have to learn somewhere, and it's not something you will do, it's something he will work in you. You have to contradict your own desires. You have to say, I want to do this, but I need to do this. Lord, help me get over my way of doing this. Does anybody have a hard time with that? You ever lose your temper and say, damn or hell, and you shouldn't be doing it? Get your mouth cleaned up. You can't keep doing that. You can't just keep... It's really difficult for men not to look at women in tight clothes. How do you know that, Jim? I am a man. It's hard for a man not to look at some woman with a plunging neckline. How do you know that? I'm a man. Does any man here want to deny that and say you're lying? Uh, none of you wants to do. I know how you think and how you feel. You've got to overcome these things in time. You don't expose yourself to something if you know you shouldn't be doing it. Do you? Now... I know how men are. I are one. You can't tell me how. Nobody can tell me how a man is. I don't know about women, but I do know about men. Huh? (laughs) They look too. Well, it may be funny, but it's not really. Because we battle this thing called sin, don't we? Where did I say it was going? I said it was going somewhere. Oh, yeah, look at Luke nine twenty three. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Denying self and taking the cross go together. Because if you deny self, you're going to contradict yourself completely, and you're going to witness to somebody. And when you witness to somebody, you're going to martus, M-A-R-T-U-S is the word witness, and witness comes from the word martyr. Martyr means one who dies. You'll become a martyr if you're a witness, and people will persecute you, and they'll want to put you on a cross. You say, Jim, will they actually nail you to a cross? Well, no. No. But they'll put you on a figurative cross. The next time they see you, they'll say, I, I, I don't want to talk to you. Or they might not even say that. They'll just pull away from you and give you that glazed look in their eye because you kept talking about that Christmas the last time he's around them. You kept talking about God not loving everybody. 
And you don't even have to be hard with them. Just say, do you know that God doesn't love everybody? Did you know that it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America? And just give them some information. Stand there and be a teacher. Be a history teacher and teach them some history. And they'll get mad at you anyway. I had a fellow at the post office the other day. He's an old guy about my age. And uh, he I had on my T-shirt. I wear them all summer long. Uh, had on one of my T-shirts that said, uh, God does not love everybody. It says on the front and the back. And I was, I was walking away from him. He said, do you believe that's got what you got on your T-shirt? Do you believe that? And I turned around, very sure of myself. I said, absolutely. The Bible says God loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. Do you believe that? He said, no, I don't believe that. I said, you don't believe God, do you? I said, would you watch one of my DVDs if I give it to you? He said, no. I turned around and walked away. I said, you are an ignorant old man. And I walked away. And he looked like somebody just whacked him in the face. If if you're going to come up and challenge me, be ready to be for a little bit of a lesson. If I see him at the post office, I'm going to tell him, you're going to die in your sin and go to hell if you don't repent. Because he couldn't be repentant when he hates the Bible that much. I quoted from the Bible and he hated it. Now, he goes on to say, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily, every day. That's not something you have a choice in. If you're not taking it daily now, you will before this is over with. I have women come to me and they'll say, I don't know how to witness. I don't go anywhere and do anything. I say, go to the grocery store, don't you? Well, yeah. I said, well, just say something very gently to people in the grocery store. You don't have to beat them up. I'm not trying to tell you to do this. I'm telling you if it's in your heart, it's going to come out your mouth. If you really believe it somewhere along the way, and stop and think, if they don't hear it from you, they probably won't hear it from anybody. And that's the way I look at witnessing. If I don't tell them, who else is going to tell them what I've got to say to them? Nobody. So I try to make the obligation that God puts in me. He says, take it across daily and follow me. I love that word, follow. It has to do with the narrow way. A-K-O-L-O-U-T-H-E-O. Akulotheo means to be in the same way. With Jesus says, come and get in the narrow way with me. But that's not a choice. That is a requirement because akulatheo is an imperative mood. Take is an imperative mood. An imperative mood is a command. Take this. And when Jesus says to take, deny, and follow, he means you have. Now, that's daily. Somewhere in your life, you'll get to a place where you're willing to say things to just about anybody. God's people have to have a cross every day. And look over here in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, First Corinthians 15th chapter. 
1 Corinthians 15. This whole chapter is about us resurrecting in Christ. The resurrection is more than Jesus coming out of a grave. It's Christ resurrecting in us daily. That has to happen in the life of all believers. And when it does, you'll start cleaning your mouth up. You'll clean up your life. You'll stop thinking you can do things that you can get by with. You'll start questioning yourself on certain things. Say, Lord, help me to get over myself. Does anybody have any problem with self? Doing things you shouldn't do and saying things you shouldn't say. Does anybody have any problem with that? I've had a problem with that all my life. And God has really delivered me from a lot of things. Look here in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Paul is saying here, gosh, I don't know where to start. Verse 28, and when all things shall be subdued unto God, that's when he comes back, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. He's all things and all people and everywhere. He's all things that happen. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? That's one of the most puzzling scriptures that people want to preach on. They don't know what to do. The Mormons take people. They dip them in water. They dip people in the water that have died. They'll get a substitute for somebody that's died and go dip them in the water for that person that died who didn't get to be baptized in water. That's not what this is talking about. You can tell that by the following verses. Baptized for the dead. First of all, baptized comes from B-A-P-T-O and baptizo. Baptizo means to cover Baptism means to stain and to die. Paul is talking about a blood baptism. God has washed us from our sins in his own blood. This goes to your responsibility. If you're baptized for the dead, you're baptized for the elect who are still dead in their sin. You're baptized for God's elect. What you're doing is you're going through this narrow way and you're denying self and you're, and you're following Christ in the narrow way by saying truth to people, and people want to crucify you for it. And what you're doing is you're going through a blood baptism for the dead elect. Paul says that very clearly. I'll finish reading here, and he says that very clearly over in, in the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Look here. He says, and he goes on to say, If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? If the dead elect are not going to go, are not going to come to Christ through our ministry, why are we going through all this persecution and all of that? He's saying the dead have to resurrect. The dead elect. And then he says, why are they then baptized for the dead? And he straightens this out in the next verse. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Why am I putting my body under this jeopardy, under this contradiction 
and letting and people want to crucify me if the dead elect are not going to rise. They are. I'm not out here trying to win souls to Christ. I'm not out here trying to witness to people to get people to get saved. I'm not doing that. There's a certain people out there that belong to God. And when we witness to them, they're going to hear it. It's going to cut into their heart and they're going to know I got to change my life. Don't you believe you have to change your life? He says, why am I jeopardizing my life every hour if there's not a dead elect out there that's going to rise? He says, why not put my body in jeopardy? Then he clarifies that in the next verse. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus. I die daily for the dead elect. He says the same thing over here in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Look at that. I'm not trying to convince anybody to be a believer. If you are elect, you will believe. That's just it. You don't have to worry about whether somebody gets mad at you. They're not going to like it. If they're non-elect, if they are, first of all, it doesn't matter how angry you make a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction. That doesn't matter. I don't care if people get mad at me. I don't care if that old guy got mad at me at the post office because I had... God doesn't love everybody on my t-shirt. I told him, I said he loved Jacob and hated Esau. He said so. Just an ignorant person. Now, look here what he says over here in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. He says the same basic thing as he said there. Look here in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Boy, I need to read let me start here in verse mm, verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It's hidden away to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Who is the God of this world? Uh, that's right God thank you I'm glad you didn't say Satan the God of this world is the Lord God who blinded the eyes of the people he doesn't want he did the God of this world is not Satan how many gods are there there's one God and the Bible says that one God blinded the eyes of the men that can't see I'm not worried about whether you'll believe or not. I'm not worried about how many people will believe. All of the elect will believe. They'll come to the knowledge of truth. And then you'll start wrestling the rest of your life with what's right and what's wrong in your life as one of God's children. He says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest... The light of the glorious gospel. What is the gospel? The resurrection, isn't it? The Bible says in Mark, the first chapter, the first verse, the beginning of the gospel is prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare you the way, the narrow way. There's only one way. It's narrow. It's full of tribulation. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
and we said it was the baptism, didn't we? Over there in Luke thirteen uh, three and three, the Bible says John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which is a blood baptism, which was preparing the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and the way is narrow. You have to be as a believer in the narrow way. You can't just live a comfortable life and never upset anybody. That's not going to happen, not to a true believer. You're going to make your family angry, and you can do it in a gentlest, kindest, sweetest way, and they'll still get angry. I mean, a guy got mad at me at the post office. He said, you believe that's on your T-shirt? You could tell he was very, very bitter because I had that on my T-shirt. He didn't even know me. He didn't know I would be that assertive when I turned on him. I said, absolutely. And he went slinking away like some little person in the dark, you know. Now look, now look here. This is going to say the same things basically he said in that 15th chapter. Look in verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, he commands the light to shine, so he's the one that's blinding the eyes of the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, isn't he? Has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's the one that commands the light to shine, and he blinds the light. He blinds people's eyes from seeing the light. But we have this treasure. We have Christ in these earthen vessels in our bodies, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Oh, troubled. How about Thalibo? That's the word trouble. Same word as narrow. We are troubled because that's required of all believers. We are troubled on every side. On every side. Let me add to that every day. Yet not distressed. Steno Correo. Steno Correo. It means completely hemmed in when we have no way out. Because God's going to make a way out for us. He says that when he says there's no temptation taken you, but such is just common to all men. If I will admit what's in my heart, I know what's in yours. And I'm an old guy. God has showed me what was in my heart a long time ago. If you can't face the truth about yourself, you can't do much repenting. You can't say, yeah, but what about him? And what about her? And what about you, Jim Brown? You're ex- I told a fellow one night when I, in, I was in real estate. He was an old guy at the time. He was in his 70s. And I was probably 40-something. I said, if you'll come and join us, we'll teach you that you have to repent of sin. And he got huffy. He said, well, you have to repent. I said, you're exactly right. And he said, well, well I'll do too. <laughs> really, it's funny if somebody says, well, you need to repent. I say, exactly right, every day. See, we've got to quit pointing the finger at somebody else. That's right, I need to repent daily. 
You know why people don't want to repent? They don't want to be embarrassed and made to look bad. Well, you got to look bad because you are bad. Everybody's bad, aren't they? There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There's none good. There's none that seeketh after God. Nobody's good as they like to act they, like they are. Nobody. We can't repent on our own. Repentance is a part of this daily cross. Repent means to be turned by God and think differently. You can't do that when you're such a sinner like me, like I have been. God's turned my life around. You you can't uh, repent alone. Let's read on here. We have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled, Thalibo, on every side, not distressed. We are perplexed, Aporio. No way out. If you ever feel like, there's, I, I don't want to go through this. There's no way out of it. If you want of God's, there's no way out of a narrow way. This is not for special people. This is not for a special group of Christians. This is for every one of God's elect. The narrow way belongs to you and to me. And we have to go through it, whether you like it or not. Christ has to be resurrecting in us all the time. And the, and the longer you're in it, the stronger you get, the more these words you use. If you can use, if you learn three or four Greek words, just use them. People, they'll start thinking you're a scholar. And he knows all those Greek words. He knows four of them. <laughs> they will. Are you a scholar? We had two ladies that went down to a Bible class down in, this years ago. And they said when they went in there, it was a ladies' Bible class. And they went in there just spewing out all these Greek words they'd learned here. And the women said, y'all are scholars. Uh, what what seminary did you go to? They said, we've just been going to Gracie Truth Ministries for about nine months. All it takes is using a little bit of these words. You'll, you'll fry somebody's brain just using five or six Greek words. They won't want you to go any further. Now, where was I? This says the same thing where Paul said, why am I putting my body in jeopardy every hour, preaching to the dead elect? I'm going through a blood baptism. Why am I willing to do that? When you think blood baptism, you think persecution, people coming after you. And he goes on to say, we're persecuted. Dioko, that word I put up on the board earlier, means to flee, but not destroyed. And we're always bearing about in the body, in our bodies, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Huh? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. We're going to be given a hard time as believers. Expect that. That's the way it is. And the reason people don't want to take a stand, well, I'm used to being cool in front of all my friends. Well, this is going to make you uncool. When you realize how dumb your friends are, it gives you a lot of boldness because people don't know anything about the Bible. Always bring about in the body, in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. When he resurrected us daily, 
in these physical bodies, this is not talking about the new bodies that we get when Jesus comes, in these bodies right here, the life of Christ being made manifest, and he reaffirms that in the next verse. It's kind of like two witnesses. For we which live are always delivered unto death, daily cross, dying daily. For Jesus' sake, and it'll be all because we're telling people the truth. We're the only saviors out there that they're going to know when it comes from our mouths because Christ is in our hearts. And that's how Jesus speaks to people, through our mouths. That, do you know that the Holy Spirit preaches? Where does the Holy Spirit live? In us. Well, the Bible says, hold your place there and run back over here to John 15 or John 16. John 16 Look at verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is a he. The spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, not some truth. When you start defining everything, you're going to get into all truth. You're going to find out that tongues are a bunch of garbage. You're going to find out that Christmas is pagan. You're going to find out that faith healing is not true. For he shall not speak of himself. In John 7, the man that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. The Holy Spirit's going to hear? How's he going to hear? Because he lives in us and he hears with our ears, with spiritual ears. The hearing, hearing, the seeing eye of the Lord hath made even both of them. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall the Holy Spirit speak. It'll come out of our mouth. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit's going to be talking through you. We're not talking about channeling. We're talking about the Holy Spirit is living in us, and he's going to talk from our mouths. Now let's get back over there to that Second Corinthians 4. And he says here in... Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered to daily death on a daily cross for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Headline, mortal, but quotes around it. He's not talking about when he comes back and gives us in our new bodies. He's talking about in this flesh right here. He's going to be made manifest in our mortal bodies. Because we're going to die daily. So then, now watch what he says. So then, death worketh in us. This is dying daily for the dead elect. Let me put it this way. Blood baptism works in us so that life will come to you elect at Corinth. That's the way the people get the truth. They don't get it by you being buddies and pals with them and going to a movie with them and going bowling with them. That's not how they get the truth. They get it when you tell them the truth. If they're elect, they will hear. If they're not elect, they'll get angry at you. 
we having the same spirit of faith according as is written according as is written I believed and therefore have I spoken so we believe therefore speak knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us we're going to be resurrected daily also by Jesus in us and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day by day by day by day and so on the inward man is that that inner man that's Christ in you that resurrects in you daily and that is a that is a requirement of all believers now, these children won't know that till they grow up but they'll have to learn it and if you're a believer you have to learn this it's not something you can get by without but the sad thing is the preachers don't preach that Christ has to be resurrected in you daily the resurrection if you'll notice was preached to Abraham and God's going to call things that be not as though they were by raising Isaac from the dead loins of his father and the dead womb of his mother Isaac was the picture of the gospel that was preached to Abraham you see that that's not even hard and then he goes on to say for our light affliction this dying that we go through daily this narrow way is just a light affliction for 65 or 70 years it's not long our light affliction which is but for a moment my life has been a moment I'll be 79 next week it seems like just the other day that I was young just a few months ago I graduated I saw a young fellow and they were having a graduation party over at the over the Cracker Barrel yesterday and he had his cap and gown on I said just graduate from high school he said yeah I just just did I said I said I graduated 61 years ago this month he said really I said yeah but it was just like the other day it doesn't seem that long man's life is but for a moment it is a vapor that is soon passed away he's like the grass of the field that's soon cut down if you're old it doesn't seem that long since you were young does it it hasn't been that long I'm going to be dead very shortly and you that are young you're going to be older headed towards the same reward if you're a believer now let's read the rest of this it's brought for a moment and it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary everything you can see that's just temporary it's actually dirt is what it is and men love dirt they love dirt because they're their mind is on earthly things, on dirt. 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, let's go back to the paper I gave you. The gospel was preached to Abraham. Look over here in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. That's the next verse on on your list. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. This is called Faith's... This chapter is by scholars and universities. They call it Faith's Hall of Fame. Faith is death itself. Then he's talking about by faith Abel in verse 4, by faith Enoch in verse 5, by faith Noah in verse 7, by faith Abraham in verse 8. And then it goes all the way down through here, and he says down here in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac that he had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now, that is a picture of Christ. This is over in the 24th chapter, 22nd chapter of Genesis where the Lord comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you know I promised you this son. He's 14 years old. Yes, God. He said, and I told you all the world was going to be blessed through Isaac, right? He said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to go kill him. Oh, wow. Go kill him. Okay. And they come up to this, they go with uh, this entourage of men. And he tells the men that are with him, Men, the boy are going up to a mountain and serve God, and we shall return. God had already told Abraham, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. Because they get up to the mountain, and Abraham is about to plunge the dagger into Isaac. Abraham did not hesitate. He didn't say, Lord, are you sure? He was going to plunge that dagger into him, and he's going to put him to death as a sacrifice to God because God said so. And here's what Abraham believed. It tells you right here what he believed. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. The Bible says that Isaac, the Lord come to Abraham and said, Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Wait a minute. I thought Abraham had another son that was 14 years older than Isaac. He had one by Hagar when God promised him he's going to have a son. And he went into the handmaiden of his wife, Sarah, Hagar, and he had this son, Ishmael. But God said, I don't recognize Ishmael. Isaac is your only son. Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, and kill him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham said, okay. Why did he say okay? He'll tell you right here. 
of whom it was said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. That's spoken of also in Genesis. In Isaac, in what? In the resurrection shall thy seed be called. Or in the gospel. That's the gospel that was preached to Abraham, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. Accounting. This, the accounting is on Abraham's port. Logizomai is the word accounting. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Logizomai means to estimate or to reckon. Abraham reckoned that God was able to raise him from the dead. He knew if God had promised him he's going to bless all the world through Isaac, he said, okay, I'm going to go kill him and you're going to raise him from the dead, right? Or he didn't have to ask God. He knew God would raise him from the dead because he knew that he had already done it. And the Bible says that from whence also he had received him already in a figure, in a parabole, P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E, parable. He had already received him from the dead. He said, you promise he's going to bless all the world and all the seed of God will be blessed through Isaac. And Isaac, in the gospel of Isaac, will the seed of God be called in the resurrection, in the gospel. This is the gospel that was preached to Abraham. Can you see that? It was a narrow way, same thing. God says, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness there in the book of James. Can you see how a man is justified by works and not by faith only? Was the works that Abraham did, did that save him? No, it justified him. Dekayao. When he went ahead and says, I'll kill Isaac because I know you'll raise him from the dead. You've already done it once. I was told to have children and you raised him from my dead loins and from Sarah's dead womb. That's calling things that be not. When you look at, I've got calling things that be not in here. I've got it all through here. i got a section on it. Calling things that be not. It's on the second page. When, when the sons of Jacob went over to Egypt to get some grain, Joseph had been put in charge of Egypt, but they didn't recognize Joseph, their brother. He'd been there about 20 years, and he probably had one of those Egyptian little beards and had a little Egyptian hat with the cobra over it. And he spoke to his brothers through an interpreter. It's the same thing. God speaks to us through an interpreter, through the Holy Spirit. Spoke to them through an, with an interpreter. And when they got there, he, he, Joseph wanted to know, are you really repentant? So he accused them of being spies to see if they were repenting. And they said unto Joseph, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, and behold, the youngest is this day with our father, talking about Benjamin, and one is not. Something that was not was dead, so they presumed that Joseph had died when they got over there. And they're talking to him 
That's amazing to me. And look at Proverbs 12 and 7. The wicked are overthrown and are not. Call something that is not is to raise the dead. Then in Jeremiah 10 and 20, my tabernacle is spoiled and all my cards are broken. My children are gone forth of me. Jeremiah is talking about judgment coming upon Israel and they are not. They're dead. There is none to stretch forth my tent anymore and set up my curtains. Job 7 and 8, the eye of him that has seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not there on earth anymore. Genesis 5.24, people try to say that Enoch was translated. Well, he was taken up to be with God, but when he was not, he was no longer in this flesh. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 42.32, we'll already give you this. I gave, I put that on there twice. And look here in Jeremiah, in Genesis 44 and 20. 44 and 20. And we said unto my Lord, we have a father and an old man and a child of old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. See, they said he was not in one place, and then they come up and said he was dead in another. Something that is not is something that's dead. To call things that be not, to say that's saying Cadillac, Cadillac, I get a Cadillac, is ignorant, stupid. They don't even pay any attention to the context. And he alone is left to his mother and father alone. And then he says in Hebrews eleven eighteen, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In the resurrection will the seed of God be called. We're called in the gospel, which is the resurrection. You understand that? But the resurrection is not one time. It's daily in us. We die daily, and we have to anastasis, come alive daily in Christ, and we continue to speak the truth. What does it mean to die daily? Well, you go out here and you talk to somebody like that guy talked to the post office. He was crucifying me when he said, you believe that on your T-shirt? I said, absolutely. And I let him crucify me and walked away. You'll be crucified taking a stand for the truth. You cannot not be crucified. You say, Jim, that's an awful heavy requirement. I know that. Took God a long time to get my attention to why I'll say truth to anybody, anywhere, anytime. I preach to bankers. I preach to every one of my doctors. Last week, when I go to the hospital, I preach to people. A lady said, last week when they took me to the hospital, when I fainted on stage, I got over to the hospital, and the nurse said, uh, I said something about being a pastor. She said, yeah, I think I know who you are. You've been in here before. I said, yeah, not too long ago. She said, uh, my husband, you gave him a tape. He's down here in such and such area. I, I don't ever quit talking to people. I didn't feel good, but I never feel like not talking, not witnessing. I'm real gentle to people. Just so well, good. Watch that DVD. You'll learn something, okay? Had a great big tall lady. We were up here at Young's Nursery. She's about six foot one. She's just a tall woman. And her kids walked up with her, and their 13-year-old was five foot 11. 
and her seven-year-old was like five, seven, something like that. And I got to talking to her, and I said, you got some tall kids. I said, I said, uh, how tall is your husband? She said, six, eight. I thought, he's the giant in the family. And I got to talking to her and said, I'm a pastor of a church. And I told her something. I gave her a DVD. She said, I think I know who you are. My husband was talking about this guy he saw on TV and said, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. You never know who you're going to run into. Talk. Witness. Tell people about Jesus. You may be the only chance they have to hear about him. And then he says there in Genesis 21 and 12, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. We are called through the resurrection. You understand that? Then I go into the righteous seed of God. Go back over here to 2 Corinthians. I want to show you something that I begin to see. Shoot him. (laughs) All right. Back to 1 Corinthians 15. This whole chapter, the first part of the verse, the whole chapter is about us resurrecting in Christ daily. If he's not resurrecting in you daily, you're either one of two things. You're either not a believer or you're a baby and you haven't learned to stand up for the Lord yet. But you're going to have to because it's required. Look here. You say, where, where does born again come in? Well, that that was arranged before the foundation of the world. You must be born again, but you're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God's will. It will be God's will that he puts the narrow way into your heart. That's not something I can talk you into. You either belong to God or you don't. There ain't no such thing as converting people and getting them to come over into truth when they're goats out there in a pasture. Goats don't need a shepherd. They were born goats. They were goats from the foundation of the world. And it don't matter if you hurt their feelings. I I don't want to run around with a goat, do you? We're little baby lambs, and he's trying to teach you how to take a stand for truth. And you take off with a goat, and he teaches you how to cuss and drink and smoke and whatever, or just live this shady life with no depth to it. Look here. When you read the first part of the chapter, it's about the resurrection. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Well, that was preached to Abraham, and that was the blood baptism, wasn't it? And that was preparing the way. And the way is narrow. I hope you can follow this. All these things are equal to each other. That's a, my favorite axiom out of algebra. Things equal to the same thing are equal to each other. You can find that all through the Bible. I preached unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, And Paul said, this is the gospel that I'm preaching to you. Then he goes on and he's talking about us resurrecting in Christ. Look down here. 
Look down here in, I don't even know where to go here. And look at verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? I want you to notice what this says. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, but his being raised from the dead is not the resurrection, why is it some of you say that there is no anastasis, feminine gender? He's saying if Christ is raised from the dead, why is it some of you are saying that Christ don't have to be raised in you daily? This this is the same thing that Second Peter, that second chapter, is talking about when it says there were two men at Corinth, Hymenaeus and Philetus, at Corinth, I'll get it right in a minute, at Ephesus, Hymenaeus and Philetus, H-Y-M-A-N-A-E-A-E-S, Hymenaeus and Philetus were preaching a doctrine that eats like a canker, like a gangrene. The word is gangrenos. Canker. G-A-G-G-R-A-I-N-O-S. Gangrenos is the word gangrene. I looked up gangrene one day and it said it can travel like six inches an hour. It's fast. That's why they have to cut people's legs off in war. You have to do it now, immediately. You'll be so infected here in six, seven hours, it won't do any good. And he said, this doctrine has eaten like a gangrene in the church. What they preached, they preached the resurrection is past. They were saying the anastasis, the resurrection of Christ and his people, happened one time in the past, one time when you got saved or accepted Christ or had your one-time experience with God. It's not it. And that word resurrection is feminine gender. They said the feminine resurrection of the church happened one time when you started believing. And Paul said that is a gangrene. It's not true. You have to resurrect daily because you've got to die daily. I'm commanding you to. Do you want to hear this or do you not want to hear it? This is pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah. Mary was real sick one night. Her blood pressure was up through the roof, and she came upstairs, and I was sitting there, and she said, I, I hope I'm going through this so it'll keep me in the narrow way. And she didn't feel like saying that because she felt terrible. She didn't feel like humbling herself to God. She just said it out outright. I hope this is making me stay in the narrow way. Are you willing to go through whatever it takes to keep you in the narrow way? And then he says, if there is no resurrection, notice the word resurrection in verse 12, it's anastasis, feminine gender. 
where the resurrection in verse 13 is anastasis, feminine gender. In 13, he says, if there is no feminine gender, resurrection of the church daily, then Christ has not risen from the dead. He's going to work in all of his people and cause them to die daily, somewhere in your life. And if Christ be not risen then is our preaching vain and your faith is vain and you're still dead in your sin. If Christ is not resurrecting in us daily, your belief is worthless. You don't just, I believe in Jesus, I get to go to heaven one day. No, you don't. I prayed a sinner's prayer. No, you didn't. I accepted Christ. No, not true. God's not going to work on you one time and it's done. He's going to work on his people daily from now on. If you belong to him, he's not, I got saved and I believe God and that's enough. No, it's not. He's not through with us. He that hath begun a good work in you, he'll perform it all the way till the day of Jesus Christ, through all the persecution, through all the daily cross, all the narrow way. He's going to do it and this has to happen to all of us. If he's not resurrecting daily in you and me, we're not dying daily, and we don't know God. And Christ didn't resurrect from his tomb. If he resurrected, he's working on his family. He's working on everybody here. Is everybody content that you've arrived? Has everybody arrived yet? Well, you can't do it all at once. It's, It's a tough journey, that narrow way. Now let's read on some more here. If Christ, for the the dead rise not. That's not, see, that's in conjunction. Well, I didn't read verse 15. Yea, and if we are found false witnesses of God, if he's not resurrecting in us daily. Because, Because that word resurrection, every time you see resurrection, except that one time in Matthew, but that it talks about Christ's body being raised from the dead in that verse. So it stipulates it is that it's the resurrection of Christ's body. This is talking about us because all those resurrection all through here is feminine gender. (coughs) The church is the wife, the bride of Christ. (coughs) That Christ, that raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If the dead in Christ, those that are dead and they're elect, if they don't rise, then Christ didn't rise out of the dead. When he rose from the dead, that was a constant, continual, pure work of God upon his people. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sin. If he's not resurrected in you daily, you're still in sin and you had never been saved or whatever you want to call it. Now, I know this is a heavy-duty requirement. I told Ben last night on the phone, I said, I'm going to try to preach this and I don't know if I can really get it over to people. You have to be in the narrow way and you have to be bearing a daily cross. I'm not going to cut slack for anybody. I have to bear the cross daily. God brought me to a place and made me realize this is a requirement on me. I know I'm ahead of most of you because I'm older and more experienced. I've been going longer. Let me say this again. You shall know the truth, 
and the truth will make you free. I can't tell you how free I am. I'm not afraid of anybody out there in the world. I'm not afraid to witness to anyone. I don't mean that in the boast. I mean, God has done this in me over the years. He's caused me to be willing to do that and die daily. I'm not going to go anywhere or be anywhere. I can't say what I want to say about the Lord. And that's not something to brag on. That is years and years of God perfecting us. Remember the Bible talks about us being made perfect and us growing up and adding to our faith. Remember that? The word perfect, teleos, means mature. We're talking about mature. We're talking about what I'm talking about. The ability to go out there and be a witness. I don't mean go out there and find somebody. Come here. Let me tell you about Jesus. As the opportunity comes and you can learn how to. I've learned how to get in a conversation with people. There's any number of things you can say. Say. Well. Say the simplest things about God. And I'll say that's what the Lord wants. Somebody says it's been raining. I said, well, thank the Lord for that. They know where you stand somehow if you bring the Lord into your conversation. And then I move from there, move on to that. Now, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. He's saying, if Christ is not resurrecting in us, then those who were supposed to be believers and have fallen asleep, they didn't go to heaven to be with the Lord. If Jesus was resurrected, his resurrection in this chapter is connected to our resurrection daily. Therefore, he's talking about our daily cross. He's talking about our, the narrow way for every one of us, isn't he? That's, you say, it, let me ask, is that hard? Is that hard, Judy? No. Huh? No. I thought he... Yeah. Have you learned to do that? That's what I'm saying. Is that difficult? Oh, very difficult. Okay. (laughs) Jews always told me, that's hard to do what I do. You do the best you can with what you got. God doesn't require any more than what you're able to do. Peter said that. How much time do I have, Mike? Seven minutes. I'm not getting to all of this that I wanted to get to. This thing that was preached to Abraham has been brought all the way down to us. And we're the seed. We're God's seed. We're his family. And he's requiring of all of his children. If we're his children, he's requiring that we take our cross and die daily. Then he goes on to say, then this notice this is after he's talking about the gospel being the resurrection. This is before Paul is saying, why are we baptized for the dead if the dead rise not? All this through here is talking about us rising from the dead with Christ. Paul said in Galatians, the second chapter, that last verse, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I and I live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I am crucified with Christ, then I'm resurrected with him inside of me every day. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When That's not your decision. If you, have, if you want this truth, 
You're going to want to know what it's about and what you're supposed to be doing. We have a duty, don't we, to God. We have a duty to do what God wants. Not what we want, but I want this and I want to do that. It's not what you want, it's what Christ wants in you. And that's all about he's predestined us to conform to the likeness of Jesus, hasn't he? He, Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to Christ's likeness, to his image. And what is his image like? It's living righteously and godly every day. When I say righteous, I'm talking about dikaiosine. Dikaiao comes from decay, which means right, living right. Not saying I'm going to relax and go over here and entertain myself. I'm going to go to the movie a lot and I'm not going to read my Bible and I'm going to. That's something every one of us have to work on every day. Let's read on down here. You know, I didn't usually go in the woods. I scared the woods. Yeah. But now I love it. Yeah, Mary said she used to she used to be afraid of witness. Now she loves witnessing, talking to people about the Lord. Because we don't try to convince people. We don't get real emotional. Uh, but put your, here, let me have your arm twisted up behind her back. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, dear Lord, save me for Jesus' sake. Amen. That's not witnessing. That's being an independent Baptist. <laughs> I don't like their method of salvation. Then he goes on and says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If all I have is hope in this flesh, he's saying we have to live inside of us. Christ has to be living in us. It'll set you free, I'm telling you. Has any of you discovered that? It'll make you free and you don't care what you say to people. And they'll kind of get upset. You don't do Christmas. No, it's it's Roman Catholicism. You don't have to, you don't have to get emotional. Just teach them. Say what's well, Roman Catholic? Didn't you know that? Say like, say something to them like, I thought everybody knew that Christmas was Christ Mass. It was Roman Catholicism. You I mean was you didn't? Doing that one time to this girl that was doing nails. Yeah. And she said, well, I am Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. But all through here, this is talking about us dying and coming alive daily. All through here. This is, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Slept means those who are dead over there in a grave. Then he says, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And that word resurrection is feminine gender. It came the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Those who were dead out there in the world, and we witnessed to them, and our witness is a blood baptism. We're baptized for the dead. For as Adam in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Not everybody in the world. All the elect will be made alive in these bodies. You can't read this chapter without reading it from a spiritual viewpoint, that it's in our bodies they're made alive, in our mortal flesh. That's what he said in the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians, isn't it? You've got to be coming alive. You're not going to be sitting still where you are. You don't come to a halt and say, well, I got saved. I believe I believe predestination. I don't need anything else. Yes, you do. You need to learn how to grow. 
For every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they, they that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, and he shall de- have delivered up the kingdom of God, which is which is the church, it's Israel. I think I've run out of time. Even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority, for we must reign, we're reigning now, till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. There's not going to be any any pre-trib rapture. When he comes to get us, death's going to stop. And there won't be a thousand-year reign. Am I out of time, Mike? Huh? One minute. I was going to read something to you down here in, down further in the chapter. I'll just read it down in, in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. That's the ones that we preach to. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. And it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown in the natural body, but is raised in a spiritual body. The Word of God is sown inside of us, but it's raised spiritually in us. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. We're living in a spiritual body when Christ is in us. And he insists that we resurrect daily because he has commanded us. To take our cross and die daily in the narrow way. That's the gospel. It was preached to Abraham. And Abraham couldn't have children. How can the gospel be preached to a man 2,100 years before Christ is born? When the gospel is a resurrection. It's because it's a resurrection in us daily. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, help us to understand this obligation in us that you've called us to. I pray for the church that they'll be strengthened. They want to come alive more and more every day. God, fight our battles. Let us cheer like family. We'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. you meant that I understand the teaching. I struggle with this every single time. I know you do. Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) almost scared me last week. I came right when they took you away. Me and Mike were sitting in here and a couple other of us were just sitting in here just quiet for about almost an hour. Were you? Yeah. I love you. Don't don't forget I got this fight coming up. You got to see. I'm going to come down there. I was going to come uh, this week, but I mean, when did you get out of the hospital? Because I was going to come see you. I want to always come see you like on Thursday because I know you're studying. What's up, Aaron? But um, what? You want some gum? You want some gum? I love you, Zach. I really mean that. I really mean that. You know that.
Yes, I know that. I love you with all my heart. If I could, if I could, if I could adopt somebody, if I could adopt somebody, it'd be you. If I could adopt a dad, it'd be you. If I could adopt somebody, it'd be you. But yeah, I try to come up there all the time. So, I mean, I didn't well, I, we, we, we got, a, the got that super fight coming up with uh, Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Okay. You know they had the Triple G fight. Huh? Uh, Triple G. Triple G. And, um, I don't know what that is. The Triple G guy, the fighter. Because they fought on Cinco de Mayo yesterday. They had that fight. It was supposed to be him and um, Cornelio Alvarez, but he failed that drug test. Really? Me and Scott were talking about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I thought you were going to have that fight at your house, but um, it got canceled. But um, what's that Cormier fight coming up? That's that's going to be a good fight. Because Cormier is having to move up to heavyweight to fight him. Okay. Yeah. I'll find out when that is so I can come over there then. I'll call you and let you know. I'm sorry, Jim. I'm bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we shoot you, Lord. I'm Lord. How you doing, Brad? Everything good with you? Oh, can't complain. Other than I got a loud phone. <laughs> <laughs> Was that one of your clients? Was that a client? Yeah. I was like, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> oh, you cut it. I got a knife. Whoops, almost. Still the Cut yourself. Yeah. I gotta go back here and see some people. I just want to tell a hug. How you doing? I love you. I love you too. Oh, I got the plastic off. I gotta go see some people. Hey, Hello, guy. How are you? What are you what's it? How? What's going on? Uh, nothing. Same old stuff. Struggles just like everybody else. Struggling like everybody. You hey, scared us last week, Jim. Huh? You scared us. Well. I'm glad you I didn't back. mean to. I'm back. Peachy, peachy, you peachy, because you were gray last week. Well, I was gray. Yes, you were. There you go. What's that for? For me? <laughs> to fill up. To fill. Fill that basket. <laughs> where did Ron go? Let me see where he is. Where did Ron go? Ron is in here. Oh, here he comes. Ron, is that him? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Bringing the eggs. <laughs> Tell him to fill your cup. <laughs> fill my cup. Hey, Chip. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. That's good. And it's some beautiful weather. Boy, it's fantastic, isn't it?